low T, high T, men's T. There's an awful lot of confusion about testosterone and an awful lot of misunderstanding about it, including that it's all about men. As with all hormones, it's not just an ingredient to be turned on or off. Optimizing your levels of testosterone is critical for both men and women, and it's vital for health and wellness beyond the bedroom. Join me now to learn the myths and the facts about testosterone. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget, rate and review us, because that's how we grow, and share us, because that's how we make even more people healthy. Hey, gang. Thank you for being here. Happy Thursday. I'm Sarah Heiner, and welcome to the Health and Happiness Show. Um, you know, I mutter every week. They just every time they change the way Facebook looks, it's so confusing. Do you have that problem? I'd love to know. If you if you get frustrated trying to figure out how to use Facebook, please let me know because I struggle all the time. I feel like such a luddite, um, and I'm really not that technically stupid. But nonetheless, some some weeks I struggle. Anyway, um, today we are going to talk about um, testosterone. We're going to talk about hormones, which sounds really technical but it doesn't have to be. And the important thing is there are a lot of myths and things that people don't understand about it. They have a lot of assumptions about testosterone, but that's not necessarily the truth. So we're gonna be talking to Dr. Mark Stengler in just a minute. Actually, I got him, you're seeing him right now there because I have us on the gallery view. Um, so I'll introduce him and tell you how great he is in just one second. I have to give all my regular reminders for you. Um, we have a growing number of videos um, that are in this, library on Facebook, but also on our YouTube page. So go ahead, go there and subscribe. We're almost at 10,000 and that's a really big number in YouTube land. So go check that out. I've got hundreds of videos that are there um, that we've been collecting through the years, all sorts of interviews with all sorts of top docs. Um, so go ahead there. If you want to be able to see things that you've missed, because I do do these every week. If you want to watch this again um, or watch anything else again, share it. You saw a great conversation and you want to share it with somebody else. It's easy, it's easy to go there and find the video and then share it with people. Um, we um, have an, an exciting project I'm working on um, about happiness. I was just telling Mark, um, a book that, that actually I'm hoping to write and publish, which we've never done a trade book before, uh, but it's about happiness. We are having a major happiness crisis in this country. And bottom line, the bottom line team is working on developing a membership. We're gonna launch a membership about happiness and about connecting our minds and our bodies and reawakening the happiness that we all have in us. We know it's there. We were giggling when we were three. So what happened to that? And how do we refine the way that our body knows how to be happy? Um, I'm doing a webinar on that on February 25th. It'll be four o'clock. Um, there'll be a link so that you can register for that. That'll be in the little chat on Facebook. So come join me there. It's gonna be a fascinating conversation and I'm really excited. We have so many people working really hard on this to be able to help help everybody refine it. It's a really hard time right now. And um, you know, somehow people are always ch chasing that magic, if only then I'll be happy. Well, let's, let's get over that if only and find your happiness that actually can exist and does exist every day. Um, two other things to download. There'll be links in there. I remind you about these every week, your immune system. We're all worried about COVID. We're all worried about getting sick. We're wearing masks and still social distancing and staying home. The stronger your immune system is, the less likely you're going to get sick. That's the bottom line on it. Fact, fact. And Mark will validate that. But I, right, Mark? Yes. True, true. yes. <laughs> um, so the bottom line editors, we put together a um, a book of information about things that you can do to boost your immune system, to strengthen your immune system, to reduce your risk of getting sick from anything. This is not COVID specific, but your immune system works as your guard against so many diseases. So download that. It's free. Share it. Tell your friends to download it. Honest to goodness, all I want is people healthy. Um, we have another download about pain. Same thing, lots of aches and pains, sitting around way too long on too many screens, necks, backs, shoulders, you name it, we're achy. Um, so we have another download. So again, just trying to share as much as we can to help people get healthy. All right, let's talk testosterone with Dr. Mark Stengler. Um, let me introduce you. I always read my bullet points. Oh, one other thing. If you have questions or comments while we're going through this, put them in the comment box. Um, Lauren will pass them along to me, Hidden Lauren, who I refer to all the time, but you don't know who she is, but she's awesome. Um, she will pass them along to me and uh, so that I can share them and ask Mark about them. All right, Mark Stengler, naturopathic doctor extraordinaire. He was voted the 2019 Doctor of the Year by the prestigious International Association of Top Professionals. He is the founder of the Stengler Clinic for Integrated Medicine in Encinitas, California. 
and he specializes actually in treating complex medical conditions that are not easily diagnosed or treated with kind of common Western principles of symptom suppressing medications. Naturopathic medicine is about helping your body to do what it knows how to do versus got a problem, let's suppress that. We'll just dial down the hot water and then you won't be hot anymore. Naturopathic medicine, an entire, entirely different philosophy. We've worked with Mark for many years, including we publish a number of his books. Um, he has authored or co-authored 30 books, including several of our bestsellers, as I said, several bestsellers across the country um, in the trade books. The Natural Physicians Healing Therapies is one, Prescription for Natural Cures, Prescription for Drug Alternatives. They are fabulous reference books that can help you understand symptoms, how you can help yourself, how you can help yourself be healthy. Um, they are all available at your favorite bookseller or also at our Bottom Line Wellness Store. Um, and he has a new book, which is what prompted us to talk today called Healing the Prostate. Um, that is available, not yet in our store, but wherever fine books are sold. Why? We need to get that in there. Um, and you can learn more about Mark at markstengler.com. So now that I've done that, like the introduction, hello, my friend. Hey, good, good to be with you, Sarah. It is good to be with you. All right. This I'm gonna this is gonna be structured a little different than normally because I usually have this meandering conversation. Um, we're gonna do myths. I've got one, two, three, I've got five myths, five major myths about testosterone because people don't understand it. They assume it, they see headlines, but they don't get it. So I'm just gonna go myth and then we're gonna talk about each myth. Um, so first and foremost, the biggest thing about testosterone, I think, is that people assume that it's all about sex and all about the sex drive. But what they need to understand is that it actually does a whole lot more than that. Yes. Very true, very true. And it is true, you know, testosterone definitely plays a role in the sex drive. It plays a role in men in terms of erectile function, women being sensitive uh, during relations, but much more than that. Uh, think testosterone, think muscles, not just the muscles when people are working out, but your heart's a muscle. So anything to do with muscles, testosterone is a very important hormone for. It plays a major influence on muscle mass, muscle strength, heart function, heart contraction, for example. It plays a major role in bone density. So people are deficient in testosterone, more likely to lose bone mass. Uh, there's been many studies showing it has a pronounced effect on brain health, the structure of the brain, the function of the brain, cognitive function. Uh, we know that men that are deficient in testosterone are more likely to uh, develop dementia, for example. Uh, mood, uh, we know that especially men who are uh, deficient in testosterone are much more likely to have depression, studies show. And um, so you can see there's a lot of different systems that uh, testosterone affects other than the, the sexual system. So here's the fascinating thing that always, I think, um, intrigues me about when, we, when I, you think about the whole system. Like, that this it's a, it's such a one to many relationship. So, you know, you talked about muscles and yet it's affecting mood and it's affecting bone density. Like how does one one hormone affect so many systems in so many ways? And that's true of a lot of things in our body. Yeah, yeah very good question. Well, the main reason is because throughout our body we have receptors for testosterone. So there's receptors for testosterone in the brain. So when testosterone activates those receptors in our brain cells, it actually helps with the production of certain neurotransmitters, say like serotonin. Or in our bones, there's receptors for testosterone, so it activates special cells called osteoblasts, which make bone, for example. And the same thing goes you know, with our muscles. So we have receptors throughout the body uh, and many of the different organ systems and tissues for testosterone. So that's why it has wide ranging effects on the body. And yet, and that those receptors are there because it affects it, but I guess it does it do different things in different places? I, I get, I like, it's just the body just so fascinates me. And I talked about the immune system before that what our body is able to do in, in the different places. And I, I just want people to be amazed by the magic of our bodies. Well, it's very amazing because think right. of this, I'm given a very simplistic model, but to answer your question, yes, it does different things with right. different receptors, but basically the way testosterone works is when it attaches to those receptors, sticking out from our cells or cell membranes, it then transported into the cell and it affects the way your DNA gives out information, how your, your DNA is telling your body how to make certain proteins, how to carry out certain functions in the body, for example. So it could tell your muscles to make, you know, uh, the proteins needed to make muscle mass, for okay. example. So, yes. So it's like, it's a, it's a trigger for all those different things. Right. Got it. All right. So meanwhile, though, um, 
is it true that one of the, one of the myths about testosterone is it's about virility um, and what I mean like aggression and and um, kind of violent behavior? I mean, is that is that true that it's that there's a correlation between you know high testosterone and being like you know being a, a fighter, a warrior? Yeah, not really. When you look at the studies, not necessarily because right. there's two different things at play here. Number one's you know the, your production of testosterone and like you said, your blood levels of it. Right. Uh, but then there's the other thing which we we can't test in, in a general sense, and that is how sensitive your receptors are to the testosterone. That's why maybe I give a man or a woman testosterone replacement. I mean, the doses I need, even for the same body weight, could vary greatly depending on the sensitivity of the receptors in their cells. That's why people are different in that way. So in general, I wouldn't say that. We do know, you know, it does give masculine kind of male type of um, predispositions. That's true, but only within certain parameters. Right, and masculine physical characteristics. Right, right. But, right, but it's not, it's not like the, um, you know, the, the steroids. We'll talk about steroids a little bit, bit more later, the anabolic steroids and, the, you know, the misconceptions between those two. So testosterone is not that. Um, right. You just mentioned you give it to women. So testosterone is not just a man thing. No, no. For those of us doctors trained in hormone replacement, um, no, we use it quite a bit with women. We see quite a few women who are deficient in testosterone around the menopausal age. And so the ovaries uh, make testosterone, just like may, men make estrogen. You know, a lot of people are led to believe one's a female hormone, one's a male hormone, but no, women make uh, testosterone as well. And again, very, very important for all those different functions you know, I've talked, I've spoken about. Do, so uh, ovarian function, and you talked about um, pres, um, bone health as well. So women, right. right. Yes, um, yeah. And- well, women, it would be similar. I mean, it definitely can affect cognitive function, women energy levels, muscle mass and muscle strength, bone density, definitely, you know, plays a role in libido as well. Okay. Women, this is for you too. It's not just for the men. All right. Let's go back up. So now that we know that it affects so many other parts of our body, um, you know, people talk about in general, hormones go down, right? Women's, women are always talking about that, you know, their hormones reduce as they age. Does testosterone, and there's a lot of commercials and advertising for low T and low testosterone, and that's kind of like the new trendy thing. Um, does testosterone necessarily go down as you age? Do men necessarily, is it normal to reduce? I know that you know there's a significant amount of older people that do have lower testosterone, but is that the way it's supposed to work? Does that normally happen? Yeah, it, it definitely decreases as we age. Drops about one to 2% a year in men starting about age 40. So that's been pretty well researched. I think the issue that comes in for some people, it declines more rapidly or it, it gets too low altogether. And there can be different reasons for that, depending on genetics, illnesses people have, maybe medications they've used. So, but yes, over time, uh, the hormones just in general decrease and that's true of um, testosterone. So it, menopausal women, we see it quite often, that's when it begins to drop. And there are studies showing about 40% of men uh, over the age of 45, have low levels of testosterone. And then about 25% of men over the age of 60 have deficient levels of testosterone. Um, and is there, does some of it is occurs naturally, as you said, bit by bit, but there's a lot of environmental factors also that have accelerated that um, environmental toxins and things like that. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. There's this whole category, what they call now endocrine disruptors, endocrine being your hormonal system. So people may have heard of like the phthalates you see in plastic bottles, you know, studies show about 75% of Americans, when you check their urine, you know, you can find the phthalates in there. We used to have BPA, as you know, as a plasticizer in, in, the, in bottles, dioxins from chemical processes like bleaching paper, for example, or even mercury. Mercury you could get from fillings, from seafood, like tuna. That's been shown to throw off the hormonal messaging system and, and lower testosterone as well. So, and it's, you know, it's really amazing. They, I mean, they keep trying to find alternates to plastics or to reduce the plastics and they knocked out BPA and then they had some alternate that is just as bad as BPA. We can't get away from those plastics, can we? I mean, literally it's, even if you, you know, you want to do your glass bottles and whatever, plastic is in everything around us. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, if you don't ever eat out and live in a cave, you're right. So it's a problem. It's a problem in our environment, but I think that's where the naturopathic principle of detoxification is so important. I mean, we can only to a certain degree control the amount of toxins we're exposed to, but we can control more greatly through our diet, uh, purified water, exercise, you know, saunas, other things. 
we can control our ability to detoxify these substances. And then we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about what we can do in terms of being able to build back our, our testosterone. Um, how about also there's other things that are affecting testosterone levels like obesity, weight? Well, that's a huge one. You know, that's a huge one with 70% of American adults being overweight in our country. Uh, and the reason for this is fat cells contain an enzyme called aromatase. And basically aromatase is an enzyme which makes estrogen in the body. So in terms of men, as I said before, men have estrogen, but when your estrogen levels go up, one of the main causes is being overweight because your fat cells will make more estrogen. What it does, it interferes with the signal from our brain, the hypothalamus, a part of our brain, which ultimately goes to our pituitary gland in our brain and then to the testicles. And basically, we have high estrogen levels. It diminishes that signal from your brain to your testicles, telling it to make testosterone. So men end up with a higher estrogen, and then it suppresses their testosterone level from being overweight. And then was that, so then if they go through that cascade, then that makes them vulnerable to all these other things, heart disease, brain, bone, et cetera, et cetera. How about, right. is there, can, is one thing that people have to be aware of or pay attention to is the ratio. So that not only is it, you know, you have low testosterone or you have low estrogen, but suddenly with what you're describing now, the ratio of estrogen to testosterone seems like it's also getting, would, would be getting out of whack. Yes, no, you're exactly right. So lower testosterone, higher estrogen. So it's really what we call like a form of estrogen dominance. Mm -hmm. uh, the estrogen is just too high relative to the testosterone. And in men, studies have shown when the estrogen level is too high, it reduces libido. It contributes to sexual dysfunction. It leads to increased breast tissue. It leads to increased abdominal uh, weight. So it's, it you know, causes problems. You gotta have the proper balance. I mean, men have estrogen. It does have functions in the yeah. human body. Right. It actually, estrogen in both men and women is one of the most powerful antioxidants uh, that's ever been discovered. It's the very powerful antioxidant. So it has a design function, but like everything else, it depends on balance. See, that's one of the most fascinating things. I never, and I've been listening, you know, talking to people and researching this stuff for years. I never heard of estrogen as being an antioxidant. We think about all the other antioxidants, think about what estrogen does. But back to just the amazing thing about the human body, and I'm sorry to be keep harping on this today, but like that the multi-purposes of all this stuff in our body, it's just fascinating to me. Well, it's true. And you know, that's why in menopausal women, and this has been studied in literature, they know this to be a fact. That's right. why uh, menopausal women tend to develop more arthritis in those years, because as their estrogen drops, they lose that antioxidant effect, which mm. also has an anti-inflammatory effect in their tissues. But Sarah, that's why I look at the body from engineering principles. Yeah. I mean, if you start looking at like, like an engineer and a multifunctional, multi-purpose system, you know, it, it becomes very interesting. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just, I mean, the more I talk to people, just the more remarkable our bodies are and the more mm -hmm. respect that I think people need to understand of this incredibly powerful engine that we have if you know how to drive the car. Mm -hmm. Right, And with these lifestyle choices, with what we eat, with lack of activity, with the environmental toxins, we're, we're gumming up our engines. So, which is- well, Yeah, and you know, Sarah, we have this whole relatively new field. I mean, it's been around for 15 years, but it, it keeps getting more and more improved in terms of knowledge, but this whole field is epigenetics. In other words, the foods we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, it influences the way our genetics uh, carry out their information. You could use uh, you know, foods and things like that from our environment in a positive way for our genetics to give better information out to ourselves, or it can disrupt proper information from our DNA and can lead to breakdown. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing. All right. One other, I think really important um, aspect of um, low testosterone or reduced testosterone is medications, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of medications that actually may be suppressing. Is it suppressing our testosterone or suppressing our ability to produce testosterone? That's a good question. You know, a lot of these things, you know, the mechanisms haven't been thoroughly worked out. I mean, I was surprised to see there's research, very clear research showing that opioids, unfortunately, we've had this opioid epidemic for many years in America, suppresses testosterone production. Um, we know that corticosteroids like prednisone, some people take for inflammatory autoimmune conditions. That I know how that works because again, it's this messaging system, this hypothalamic pituitary gonadal access, they call it. So the messaging from the brain that gets messed up because we have to remember our hormones really work like an orchestra. They don't work in isolation. 
And so I see even as a, as, a, as a doctor, when I check hormones, I don't just check one, I check a wide variety of them because they interact with one another. But okay. you start putting in other hormones, especially synthetic ones, um, you start throwing off hormone balance. For example, it's a well-known fact, if you look up birth control pills, and I'm not here to knock birth control pills, but it's well-known fact that they you know, suppress testosterone production. So okay. a lot of women wonder why, you know, maybe they have lower libido and things like that on, on birth control pills, what well, lowers your uh, testosterone. Um, antidepressants, some antidepressants have been shown to lower testosterone. People have been through chemotherapy and radiation that can damage, you know, the testicles or the ovaries. And that's the problem there. And then um, heartburn medications, mm -hmm. um, they, because they suppress stomach acid and you need certain nutrients um, to manufacture testosterone. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting. Our body uses cholesterol as the building block of all the hormones, including testosterone, but then you need other nutrients involved in the pathways to make testosterone. One of the big ones is zinc and the other one is vitamin D. So we need stomach acid to absorb those nutrients from our food or supplements. And so if you cut off the stomach acid, you end up with nutritional deficiency. So anyone that's on these medications, on some of them, you know, the, some, the acid suppressants, maybe you use it sometimes intermittently, but a number of these things, you know, steroids, people will go on and off and some people are on them indefinitely, antidepressants, obviously, opioids, frighteningly, they're on it far too long than they should. But talking to their doctors about their hormones then needs to also be part of that conversation. They need to be aware that if they're gonna go on these things, then it's going to have a cascade of effects. Well, yeah, think about this for a minute. I mean, let's say you have depression, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say you're one of these people where your antidepressants lowering your testosterone. Well, as I said, especially more well-studied men, I mean, low testosterone, one of the symptoms is depression. So mm -hmm. maybe you're making the problem worse. So unfortunately, doctors just don't routinely check testosterone. But like you said, if you're on these medications of other risk factors, you should have it checked at least once a year. You should be checking. Now, this is interesting. You mentioned in passing D deficiency and zinc deficiency are also risk factors for lowering testosterone, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna do one of my famous infamous Sarah Heiner, pull a piece from here and pull a piece from here and make up a theory and you can tell me that I'm wrong. So D deficiency and zinc deficiency also correlated with higher risk of getting COVID and higher risk of dying of COVID. Mm -hmm. And men seem to be more vulnerable to COVID than women. Do any of those pieces all work together? I mean, possibly. I mean, testosterone also, like everything else, it also ties into your immune system. Testosterone mm -hmm. ties into our ability to recover, including from acute illnesses. So for example, there's been research out there even for something different like burn victims. Okay. People are burn victims are given testosterone, they recover much more quickly. And so it very well, it does tie into the immune system and controlling inflammation. So there definitely could be a connection there. Interesting. It's just such a fascinating puzzle. All right, let's move on to myth number four. Um, oh, actually, no, before I do that, still part of this. Um, what are the symptoms of low testosterone? How does somebody know that they've got a problem? Yeah, well, besides low libido would be a very classic symptom, both men and women. Uh, men, it can be erectile dysfunction, another classic symptom. But beyond that, the, the, the most common one I see is fatigue. I mean, fatigue is a common symptom for both men and women of testosterone deficiency. Another common one, uh, even with proper diet and exercise, you're getting weight or fat accumulation mm -hmm. in the midsection. So that's another one. Uh, we talked about- And it's fluffy yeah. fat, right? It's not, it's um, like you can get weight, but there's like, like fluffiness. I always called it, you know, like women when they hit menopause, they get fluffy. Yeah, kind of the rolly fat. fat. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah I'd say that's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, we talked about loss of muscle mass mm -hmm. or people who, are in good shape, they work out and they just can't recover. I mean, they should recover in a day or two and four days later, they're just still so sore and stiff. That could be another symptom of uh, low testosterone. Memory impairment, like, like I said before, in both sexes. Those are some of the other symptoms of um, low testosterone. So now a bunch of these things, um, fatigue, everybody's fatigue. Right? Yeah. <laughs> memory impairment, yeah. Memory impairment I, you know, I haven't remembered anything since I gave birth the second time, right? Um, uh, but the, you know they also kind of parallel with aging. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you know if it's testosterone or something else, or does it matter? Is again testing your hormones part of understanding your body's overall health? At, if you're if you're feeling those symptoms, and you go to your doctor, make sure that they're test checking your hormones in addition to being sure that you don't have um, you know whatever other direct things might cause fatigue or 
Yeah, well, I'd say two things. I mean, usually when, when I'm talking to patients, usually I'm just seeing like two or three primary symptoms popping up, you know, low testosterone. So that gives me, you know, the hint they may have low testosterone. But in the end, yes, it always ends up being just checking the hormones. Because as you said, there's many causes of fatigue, there's many causes of weight gain, there's many causes of depression, low libido. So when I see like two or three symptoms popping up, or one extremely strong without really obvious reasons for it, let's say, for example, someone has a good relationship with their spouse, but they have a very low libido. Well, it doesn't seem like there's, you know, mental emotional factors going on there. So maybe they have, you know, testosterone deficiency. Right. And testosterone deficiency is not necessarily correlated with sperm problems. Is that right? Well, you know, in, uh, in, in males in puberty, right. um, as the testosterone goes up, it does actually initially kick in telling the testicles to produce sperm. So it's mm -hmm. actually involved in puberty. But later on. If, a, if someone's having a problem with fertility mm -hmm. is yeah, not typically testosterone is not necessarily associated with a fertility problem. Right. I agree. Yes. In adult men, it's not, and actually can be the opposite. So men who are on testosterone, it can have the effect of suppressing sperm production. So if you got, you know, a couple that are trying to have a child become pregnant, um, you don't want to be giving that man testosterone because you could be messing up his to produce sperm. So even if somebody, so let's play a scenario here. So I'm um, testosterone deficient, mm -hmm. right? I'm, for whatever reason, my testosterone is low. Maybe I'm mm -hmm. on, I don't, whatever, I'm on a drug or something, my testosterone is low and I'm having trouble. My wife and I are having, having trouble getting pregnant. Replacing that testosterone would not with the, you know, the coming yeah, back we would, place of right. stasis, so would not be it because that would still mm -hmm. negatively impact the sperm, even though my testosterone is deficient. So a lot of things you think about getting up to a level of normalcy yeah. is healthy, but in this yeah. case, it's not necessarily. Yeah. So let's say you got a 40 year old male, maybe 45 years old. Um, they're trying to, you know, him and his wife trying to become pregnant. He's got low testosterone. No, you would not want to give him testosterone replacement. And the reason for that is in our testicles, we have receptors, uh, you know, for hormone called FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. Women actually produce it too. So it's this message again from your brain down to the testicles, but that hormone tells your testicles to make sperm. So when you take testosterone, there's this feedback mechanism and then that message greatly reduces. So no, fertility specialists would not be happy if, you know, their male patient was trying to you know, a couple is trying to get pregnant and you're given the uh, man testosterone replacement, they would not be too happy with us. It's fascinating. I'll just say <laughs> that for the thousandth time already today. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next myth then, which is that the only way to solve your testosterone problem is to use hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. And that would be false. That is false. I mean, that's mainly what you see promoted out there in the ads and the media and stuff. Um, but no, it's not true at all. By the way, one of the things I, I should have mentioned earlier, the American diet is also a promoter of testosterone deficiency. So just by improving your diet, you may be able to improve your testosterone. We know there's some research that when people have like insulin resistance, high blood sugar, prediabetes, diabetes, uh, cause remember insulin is a hormone. Remember I told you how everything's kind of interconnected here. The hormones are like an orchestra. So that can suppress testosterone production. So that's another reason why people can have low testosterone, but no, what we try and do with patients, we do the groundwork first. Um, so we improve the diet, um, reduce the refined carbohydrates, increase the vegetables, the healthier fruits, got to reduce the alcohol. Alcohol has definitely been shown in studies to suppress testosterone production and increase estrogen. All, uh, all alcohol, all alcohol mm -hmm. and excessive alcohol, or, you know, one, one or two glasses a night is okay. I mean, if someone has a low level, no, I, would, I wouldn't be having more than a couple of drinks a week. Yeah. Yeah. And alcohol um, so yeah. is alcohol. So all that, you know, red wine is healthy for you now. Well, think about it. I mean, it came out about a year ago. I mean, let's say women with a history of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, they don't even, they don't want you to have more than a couple of drinks a week. Because what has what been found in terms of cancer, even one drink a day on average could be a risk factor they found in recent analysis. So you got to be careful with that. I like more of like a modified Mediterranean diet, I'm sure. You know, your viewers are familiar with, with re reduced grains in that. Um, of course, try and getting the hormone-free, you know, dairy products and meats, I think is important. Uh, sleep. 
if someone has a sleep problem, that can be, you know, the cause of their low testosterone amongst other hormone balances. Mm -hmm. We've got to improve the sleep. Exercise. People always think about lifting weights and that can help with testosterone production. There is research showing even aerobic exercise increases testosterone. So it doesn't have to be weight for the people who don't like, you know, resistance training. And then what I do for patients, if they're mildly deficient or just on the low side of normal, I prefer to try and get their own levels up instead of giving them replacement. Uh, and that's a better way to go. It's easier for the patient, don't need as much monitoring. Um, obviously the safety factor is gonna be better. So there are certain herbal extracts um, shown in human published studies to significantly increase testosterone levels in both men and women. And uh, one of them is ashwagandha. A lot of people think of ashwagandha for its great effects on stress. You know, it helps to bring down cortisol, helps to helps people to feel calmer. It's an adaptogen, helps people adapt to stress. But certain types of extracts of ashwagandha in published studies in just in the last two years are shown to be very effective in raising testosterone levels. So I use that quite a bit with patients. Another one called Uricomia longifolia, kind of a weird name, comes from Malaysia. Does that have a nickname? Yes, Tong Cat Ali. I don't know if that's funny. Oh, that's so <laughs> much Tom, better. Not Tom Cat, but Tong, <laughs> Q-N-G, Cat Ali. Yeah, that's I don't a, know who came up with it, but. But there's no common name. So this is actually um, one one for the experts that, that are aware of this. Right, right, right. So that's been showing increased testosterone levels in men too. And then, as I mentioned before, nutrients, uh, we want to make sure we have adequate zinc levels, adequate vitamin D. And the research on magnesium is kind of conflicting, but magnesium may be important in, in forming testosterone as well. So can people, though, things like ashwagandha, things like Tonkat, um, I, am, I always say that natural medicine is not do-it-yourself medicine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's tempting to be able to go to Whole Foods and buy some ashwagandha and take it. Is that um, a, a safe thing to do? Are there safe levels of it? My opinion is always go to the expert, get yourself checked because you don't know what, what any of this also interacts with with any of your other medications or anything else going on in your body. I mean, if someone has a pretty clean health history, I mean, they don't have you know history of cancer and breast cancer, or hormone related cancer and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, it's pretty safe, but the problem runs into how do you know it's working? I mean, unless you're doing how your do you blood know how level. Much? Right. Yeah. I mean, unless you do your blood level, do a certain protocol and then say, recheck two to three months later. I mean, yeah. how do you know it's even working? Well, so. would you have improvement in your symptoms? Might you I get could. more? more you could. I mean, yes, I should say objectively, how do you know it's working? But you can right. know subjectively, that's true. Right, if you're feeling better. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it's interesting back to that eating, he eating healthier, sleeping better and exercising. Life's not that complicated, right? If we that all just did that. Base. That should be that. And you're right there for a lot of people. You know, I've seen people's levels double just by doing basic things like that. Losing 10 pounds, I've seen their levels normalize. Going back to your point, though, I mean, medically, look, there are some rare conditions people could have which are serious as to why they could have testosterone deficiency. You know, they might have a tumor in their pituitary gland, and that's messing up the messaging, you know, to the ovaries or testicles. So, I mean, there, you know, there are some things which is why we like lab tests as doctors. We always rule out the more serious things right. um, first and then focus on, on treating the patient. Um, yeah, sleep's always a, a big one. So is it eight hours? So what's your, what's your theory on sleep? Um, you know, there's people that say, depending on when you sleep, it's the, it's the time. It's not necessarily the amount. Different people need different amounts. Six hours a minimum. Like, what's your theory on it? Yeah, yeah. I, I did... Um, reviewed this recently, I finished a master's of biology program. We did go over this. It is true you get your most regenerative sleep in the early morning hours, you know, from about four to 6 a.m. So that's something to take into account. Uh, most studies, they, they seem to be about seven hours is what most of the studies yeah. tend to suggest is kind of for most people, the alpha. some people, you know, an hour less, some people an hour more, but that's kind of the general ballpark. But a lot of interesting things go on during the night, I think I use the analogy of like a rechargeable battery. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you use your re rechargeable battery up and there's not much juice left in it, obviously you got to charge it again. So our brain, our body, our cells are the same way at night. That's when our body regenerates in terms of our immune system, reducing inflammation, cell turnover and healing. Look, even the last few years, they've shown that our brain has this whole unique organ system called the glymphatics. And when we get proper deep sleep, it actually takes the metabolic toxins out of our brain cells. And they're now finding it even reduces your risk of dementia. Obviously, if you have sleep problems, which you know right. people's sleep problems are more prone to dementia, 
one of the reasons is you, you you're not cleaning out that debris that yeah. you should be at night yeah so what's your I'll go off topic a little bit here what is your dr stangler's favorite recommendations to patients that say they're having trouble sleeping well, I try to figure out, you know, what's going on. If it's the kind of patient that tells me their mind's racing a lot, mm -hmm. it's related to a lot of stressful things going on, which is pretty common nowadays. Right. I'll have them exercise uh, two hours or longer before bedtime, because after about two hours, your stress hormones will drop while you're exercising. They go up, but then they'll drop. So that actually has been pretty well researched. So let me just clarify this. So yeah. you don't want them exercising for two hours. They shouldn't exercise within two hours of bedtime. Correct. Yeah, two hours or more. I don't know. Maybe I didn't word that right, but two hours or more away from going to bed. That's right. right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you. And so then um, avoiding, you know, computer screens, iPads, iPhones, anything with blue light, which is confusing to the brain, suppresses melatonin production. Mm -hmm. uh, no news, you know, don't watch the news, listen to news, read bad things, you know, right. two, three hours before bedtime. And then, you know, if that's not sufficient, then we use things which calm the brain without side effects. So things like GABA, the amino acid GABA is very good, the amino acid L-phenine. In more recent, uh, the past year, I've been using a lot more CBD extracts with mm -hmm. good results. So just things which can calm the brain in, in a non-toxic fashion. Of course, there's always melatonin. Uh, yeah. Melatonin, you know, is always a possibility. You know, it works in some people, it doesn't work in others. It depends what the root cause is. But again, remember cortisol, when it's high at night, which it shouldn't be, it should get at its lowest, it suppresses the sleep hormone melatonin, which induces a sleep cycle. So that's the connection there. Right, okay. So so calm yourself. And and we've got like sleep hygiene, get off the screens. Um, are you a believer like for blue light, because people are on screens, there's a night setting on the on the screens. Does that is that worth it? Does that do anything? Or is that just kidding themselves? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. It's a good question. I don't I don't know what the research shows on that. I've said it to my kids, like, get off the screens. And they go, oh, no, I have it on the night setting. It's fine. Right, right. And I'm terrible. I'm working till all hours of the night. I'm, I'm asking yeah. these questions partly because I'm my own, you know, that's one of my my guilt locations in terms yeah. of is uh, sleep. So, um, all right, let's go to the next myth, which is that uh, testosterone replacement is risky. Um mm -hmm. And now there's, and that's kind of a, a double-edged one because obviously there's again all these high T the commercials for go you know here's your testosterone supplements. So what's the truth that people need to understand about what's being that you know, the difference between when I come to you for testosterone replacement therapy versus when I go um, you know to, to to respond to all these ads that are all over TV or the internet or whatever. Yeah. Well, my answer would be compared to other medications, uh, testosterone replacement is not risky. Assuming that a person has a an actual deficiency to begin with, and you're getting them at levels which you know aren't you know out of range, way too high, um, and that you're monitored properly. So assuming those things, no, I don't find it risky at all. I mean, I've had, I don't know, I'm sure well over a thousand men in my career on testosterone replacement, probably as many women, and I mean, I don't. It's rare I see any anything other than some mild side effects that we can't deal with. Now, that being said, there's a lot of doctors out there who prescribe it to patients, don't even test them, or they don't test them properly, or they don't even recheck them for a year or longer, and so they're not being monitored properly. I got patients who go down to Mexico, and you can get it in the pharmacies there without a prescription. Um, you got a lot of uh, you know kids in high school, college, getting on the black market at gyms and stuff like that. So, that, yeah, that's so, where it can right, be risky. That do-it-yourself stuff, again, talk to the professional and get it properly prescribed. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything with testosterone replacement about, um, you know, in, in the female hormones, there's bioidentical hormones versus um, pharmaceutical hormones. Um, does, is there anything that people need to be aware of a type of testosterone hormone replacement? Well, yeah. I mean, fortunately, all the testosterone is available from the regular pharmacies or compounding pharmacies is bioidentical. There's different forms. Uh, you have the topical or transdermal form. So that's where you have creams, gels, or lotions, which contain it and absorbs through the skin. You apply that usually in the morning. Uh, then you have the testosterone injections used more by the men because they're using higher doses. Mm -hmm. Probably inject one to two times a week on that. And then you have the uh, testosterone uh, pellet implants where you can imp a pellet, it you know, kind of breaks down over time. You can have good levels for about four months. So those are the three main ways. There are some patches uh, that, are, that are out there now too. There's uh, sublingual as well, but the three main ones are the topical creams and lotions, 
um, the injectable, and then the pellets are, are, are the main ways it's used. I'm gonna ask an obvious question. Um, if I'm a 60 year old with, with low testosterone levels versus if I'm a 30 year old with low testosterone levels, is it a different strategy for treatment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you have a 30 year old and you have testosterone deficiency, which I've had men like that, I am doing a lot more investigation before I'm treating the patient. Um, I mean, there's something going on as to why they're testosterone deficient. I mean, right. maybe they're a heavy marijuana user that can suppress testosterone studies show. Maybe yeah. again, they have problems in their, uh, in their pituitary gland in their brain. So the messaging system isn't correct. Maybe they have a genetic condition, you know, like Kleinfelter's, which is causing the problem. So I know when you're young like that, I'm not prescribing testosterone. I'm, I'm doing a lot of testing to find out what's going on. And in younger men, even before I give testosterone, let's say for whatever reason, we can't find, you know, a pathology per se. In the younger man, let's say from you know 30 to 45, then I'm usually using other things. I'm using things which stimulate the testicles to start producing testosterone, get them uh, restarted, kicked in, so to speak. So for example, you can use like a hormone called HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin, which you know is a hormone that goes up during pregnancy. But that has been shown to stimulate the testicles to start releasing uh, testosterone on their own. There's another drug, it's a fertility drug called Clomid, and that we use with younger men too. I won't get into the details, but it just helps with the messaging system from the brain to the testicles. So for some men, we can use these things for a period of time, and then they don't need them. Their own system, the communication networks are working on their own, and their testosterone normalizes out. Gotcha. All right, I have one more question, and then I've got a couple questions that have been sent to me. And if anyone else has questions that they they have for Dr. Mark, put them on into the chat, and I'm, we're going to do a little Q and A if we can, Mark. Okay. Um, is there anyone that should not, in your book, you talk about there are certain groups of people that should not necessarily get hormone replacement therapy. We mm -hmm. already talked about if you have a fertility problem that you should not do it. Um, but there were a few other kind of categories of people that you talked about if they had elevated PSAs, if they um, had prostate or breast cancer. Um, go talk about that for a moment. Yeah, any of the active hormonal related cancers, say like breast cancer, prostate cancer, you know, ovarian cancer, these very hormone sensitive cancers. We have to keep in mind that when you your body makes testosterone or when you take it, some of it is converted into estrogen. Right. So, you know, if you have an estrogen, you know, sensitive cancer, I mean, that's a problem. So, you know, not in those cases. Although there are more doctors nowadays for men who have a history of prostate cancer, maybe it's been four or five years, they have testosterone deficiency, no signs of active cancer, they had their prostate removed. It's it's, it's becoming somewhat semi-normal now to get those men testosterone replacement and be monitored properly. Uh, people that have thick blood. You know, they have their red blood cells, hemoglobin is too high. I mean, for some people, testosterone tells the bone marrow to make more red blood cells. So if there's mm -hmm. something going off a condition like that, um, sleep apnea. I mean, for some people, testosterone can aggravate their sleep apnea, um, especially the more severe form. So usually you don't use it in cases of severe sleep apnea unless you're being treated and monitored. Um, is there any connection between testosterone levels and sleep apnea? Like the, the, you know, I haven't seen the exact mechanism. I can only theorize maybe like increased, you know, muscle and, 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 and tissue and stuff like that might be the, the relationship with that. Or people who've had like a heart attack, let's say in the last three to six months or stroke. Now, testosterone itself, when you look at the data, really in the last five years, very large studies, they have not found testosterone replacement as a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. But Remember, let's say you're a person prone to making blood clots. And if for some reason not being treated properly with anticoagulants and stuff, and another doctor, I'd be able to say to your cardiologist is hedge on testosterone, and maybe you're not well regulated and you start forming blood clots, I mean, obviously that's a problem. So those are things you gotta be more cautious with and get some proper consultation. Gotcha. Okay, let me go to some questions that I have. I'll have to scroll back up. They've been sending them to me. Um, so Belinda asked about whether testosterone can help with her myositis and can, can you, can, can you define myositis for everybody? Yes. Yeah. Myositis is a fancy way of saying inflammation and pain of the muscles. Okay. Um, it depends what the cause is. I mean, myositis can be related to an autoimmune condition, the immune mm -hmm. system attacking your muscle tissue. It could help in those cases. It may not be, you know, a pronounced benefit. 
Again, if you're just a person who's kind of uh, muscle inflammation, don't recover well, the cause isn't well known. Yeah, get your testosterone levels checked. It may be a benefit. And can can taking testosterone help rebuild the muscles if you've got? Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, especially when people have sarcopenia, loss of muscle mass, mm-hmm. uh, like in seniors, yes, testosterone is very effective for it. That's why the bodybuilders and the athletes love it, right? It gives them lean muscle mass. All right. Now I've got from Kelly. Well, we talked about a little bit that women do need testosterone, that we do have it. Um, when would women need testosterone supplements? Well, if they have the symptoms of testosterone deficiency and the lab work shows a testosterone deficiency, I mean, the doctor is justified in, in giving it to the patient and see if it helps their symptoms and, and monitor their blood levels. And so for we, women- we, see it, we see it mainly in middle-aged women for the most part. And women between 45 and 55 are most of the cases we're seeing where it's dropped and they have several symptoms. We give it to the patient, you know, it's helpful. We do also, my practice and, and other doctors, we do use it in women and men who have um, osteoporosis as mm-hmm. kind of an anabolic agent to help with bone density amongst, you know, including doing the diet and exercise and all that. And when you start giving people these supplements, um, if they're younger, if, they're, if they have lower levels than they should, I'll call it for their age, and there are other extenuating factors, you know, be it sleep or whatever, um, is the testosterone potentially just temporary while you build yourself up and get your system kickstarting again while you do other things to help your body, diet, exercise, sleep? Or is this once you're on it, you're on it forever? Good question. I mean, you could do it that way, but like I said, if it's a younger woman or younger male, I don't prefer to give it at the beginning. I'd rather dig deeper, see why they have problems, use the natural agents we talked about, including the diet, the herbal extracts. Most of those cases, when we do those protocols, they work just fine. It's only a a small percent where we have to go to something more like pharmaceutical uh, in the younger people. But um, testosterone, when you're on it, no, you can be on it and go off it and your system could work fine unless a doctor has been overdosing you for a long period of time. So for example, I had a male come in a few years back. At this point, he's probably about 23 and he had his, his uncle actually was a medical doctor. And actually when he was in high school, provided him testosterone prescriptions. And so he was using it for building muscle. And so what had happened was he was getting massive doses and he put on a lot of muscle. But what happened was it resulted in him uh, being infertile the rest of his life. Wow. And he had uh, testicular and penile shrinkage from abusing testosterone in younger age. So in his case, it's considered irreversible when it's went on for too long of a period of time. Right. And he was so young. Yeah. Right. Um, Let's talk for a second about the difference between testosterone and all those um, steroids that the bodybuilders like to take. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just clarify the, what, what one, one versus the other? Not that anybody should be taking those anabolic steroids. But, yeah. um, well, I mean, technically testosterone is an anabolic hormone and that's just a fancy way anabolic means to build things up. So technically, you know, it's an anabolic hormone. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I mean, our body needs it, right? Mm-hmm. So the main thing really comes down to with the bodybuilders. When you look at the amounts they're using, and I've seen them and I refuse to uh, prescribe testosterone uh, for bodybuilders, athletes, um, where it's not indicated. I don't just give it to them for their performance and building muscle. Right. I don't do that. That's right. actually not considered ethical or good standards of medical practice, but it really usually comes down more to dose. When you look at these people, they're taking two to three times the amount we normally recommend to people who are deficient and they're not even deficient. Right. So, yeah. Um, and obviously the, the steroids themselves that they're taking, those are just, should be doing that at all. You know, when the bodybuilders are taking this, the, um, the steroids on their own. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even so much the, you know the forms of testosterone using. It's just the mega doses are using, right. throwing off their whole endocrine system. It's like anything else. I mean, if you overdose someone with testosterone, they can get symptoms. I mean, long term, you could cause heart enlargement. You increase the risk of diabetes. You can increase risk of um, arthritis, water retention, high blood pressure, um, aggressiveness, depression. Um, you know, psychological things. So, you know, it's like everything else. It's, it's, if you're going to do it, only do it when people are deficient and get them yeah. into like a normal level. Yeah. Our, our bodies have a normal place we want to be. All right. I have a couple other questions. Um, can testosterone issues lead to prostate issues over the age of 50? It's a good question. The research is very clear in terms of prostate cancer. 
All the research thus far, and there's been a lot of large studies done. I remember one study done with 20,000 men. They have found no association between testosterone replacement and prostate cancer. That being said, for some men, a small percent, we do find that testosterone replacement can aggravate their prostate in terms of like BPH, uh, prostate enlargement. Mm-hmm. Not cancer, but enlargement, if you know. BPH or prostate enlargement, which is non-cancerous, is very common in men. So there's a small percent of men we find that with. Normally on these men, when we, as we're monitoring their blood work, you'll see their PSA rising pretty quick, um, which, you know, for us doctors kind of gets our attention because you're either thinking, you know, prostate irritation, inflammation, enlargement, or you're thinking cancer. So, you know, we always look into it. And those patients, so then if you cut the dose back or get them off it, the level goes back down again. And how about if they are um, testosterone deficient? Will that um, also have any effect on the risk of prostate cancer? No, no. But even in men who are, you know, testosterone deficient, there's a small, very small, I mean, I maybe see one in 200 men where you promote testosterone and their prostate doesn't like it. Now, maybe the dose you're giving, it may be they're converting it into estrogen too readily or the hormone dihydrotestosterone. Those are the hormones which aggravate the prostate, estrogen and dihydrotestosterone, not the testosterone. Got it. Okay. Uh, one last question. Another question. Um, are some women treated with both estrogen and testosterone? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have a lot of uh, menopausal women who are typically on natural estrogen replacement, natural progesterone replacement, natural testosterone replacement. It's not uncommon they get all three. I mean, usually hormone deficiency does not occur in isolation. Right. If you're low on one, you're probably low on other ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Dr. Mark Stenkler, you're amazing. Um, <laughs> remind her to everybody, the book is Healing the Prostate. Um, and it's great as all of Mark's books are. So go, go check that out, go get that, go check out his other books. Um, because they are all fabulous reference books. I had your books on my bookshelf before I even knew you. (laughs) They just, they were already on my bookshelf as as reference books, believe it or not. Um, All right. And don't forget, everybody, download the immune book, download the the pain book, tell your friends about our channel, tell your friends about the YouTube channel, and come on back next week. And it's going to be a surprise. We're working on something special. All right. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. We're living in an unprecedented time when trust in our media and news sources are at an all-time low. It seems that everyone has an agenda, if not a political one, then a business one, as media companies are beholden to advertisers or shareholders. Well, not at bottom line. We're a family-owned business and have been free from the influence of advertising since our start nearly 50 years ago, focused solely on helping people live happier, more fulfilled lives. Our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, provides advice that can be put into action each day, helping people do better and feel better. Thousands of top, highly respected, truth-seeking experts have appeared in Bottom Line Personal on topics in all areas of life, including healthcare, financial planning, home improvement tips, great gift ideas, how to save money on travel, insurance snafus, smart tax strategies, improving your relationships, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.